Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore performance and potential, and where we get pretty excited about things like peace, trust, and relaxation. Jessica Ennis-Hill, the well-known track and field star, is on hand to help us this week. Now, Jess set some pretty high bars during her career, and she cleared, I think, more or less all of them. Her Super Saturday gold medal winning showstopper during the 2012 London Olympics will live on in the minds of those present for that unique and amazing occasion. And for those also who even managed to watch it at home. It was definitely a moment that transcends sport. It became a defining detail in the story of this immensely gifted heptathlete. But there's so much more to my guest beyond this victory and all her many others too. I feel privileged that she allowed me access to the human being, to the upbringing, to the mindset, the challenges and the amazing future that lies ahead for her too. Some people, she says, are driven by winning and some motivated maybe by not losing. Jessica Ennis-Hill, she says, was always fixated upon what she wanted. To be honest, I myself heavily fluctuated between the two. Being even more honest, I probably spent much greater time using failure and worst case scenarios as the fuel for my performances. Fear, anger, desperation, these are powerful energies. When we're in these kind of states, we don't sit around doing nothing, we get stuff done. And as a short-term survival tool, it's necessary and it's effective. But as a performance tool though, when it's our dreams on the line and not our existence, they can actually reveal themselves to be very limiting and terribly destructive. I know all about this firsthand. Don't miss, don't mess up, don't choke, don't let them get to you, don't make a fool of yourself, don't let yourself down, don't let others down. It's also suffocating, so uninspiring. It doesn't lead to anything amazing. In pure survival mode, everything is a threat. So we go on high alert. When it seems like our worlds are on fire, what else can we do but fight, run, or hide? We turn our back on possibility, creativity, joy, love, connection, and anything subtle and feel-based. It's all completely shut off. We're uninterested in seeing what this moment can be in all it can be. We're just simply concerned with what it has to be, according to those old ideas. It's all about control and blind reactivity. So we just cannot be surviving and thriving at the same time. There's a choice to make. Moving towards what we want and away from what we don't, they're not the same journey. They don't end up in the same place. Certainly not in my opinion. One of these is conscious, with growth and evolution being inevitable spin-offs. The other one, it's accidental, and it does everything to avoid experiencing more of life and who we are. The only guarantee of this one is stress. The unknown for me, what we've yet encountered, explored or experienced, well, that's where all our potential must lie. When we choose what we already know or think we already know over the unknown, then we're moving against life. To stand still when all around us is shifting, well, that's going to require some serious struggle and hardship. To do the same when the very life in us, as us, is calling for us to expand and explore. That's going to create some serious internal conflict. It's all an anti-peace, anti-performance, anti-potential, an anti-who-we-really-are, anti-life movement. As human beings, 
for me, there's something more for us than simply continuing our species and staying alive. When we move beyond the animalistic, maybe we can tap into different understandings of how this universe may function, its laws and immensity, and we can collaborate accordingly. Deep down, why do we yearn for joy? Why does it feel so good? Why does insecurity feel so terrible? Why in love do we feel so powerful and in hate so uprooted? Anger, resentment, guilt, shame, regret. Yeah, they can become things that we get used to feeling, maybe even get comfortable feeling, but they're definitely so unempowering and isolating compared to compassion, excitement, awe and wonder. So could it be that there's an innate direction, a kind of current to life and who we are at the base level? If there wasn't, then all of these feelings would feel the same. They'd feel of nothing. Why do we call these resistance? The school of thought here would be that the level of our suffering is a representation of the level of disconnection between ourselves and our true selves. This means that feeling absolutely worthy, connected, and that all is possible, it signifies a kind of deeper alignment with our higher self, brings about this sensation of flowing with life. This may be why in certain states we receive inexplicable insights, inspiration, intuition, and access to our genius. The law of attraction explains that who we are in this material existence is like a kind of physical extension of our non-physical true self, which is also here and now in a different realm. Our intentions and our desires are heard by this higher self and immediately created for us in that vibrational realm. Our job is to align with our higher selves so that these, I guess, dreams and goals can come into our experience here. When we find ourselves in love with all life, nature, and absolutely accepting of others, whether we agree with them or not, do we not end up finding ourselves guided so much more effortlessly, beautifully, synchronously? Is this because this is how our true self feels about everything too? So what does my higher self feel about my failings, about my death, about anything? it seems to be the same answer, that it's completely accepting and unconditionally loving of it all on that deepest level. But yes, as human beings, we do have a responsibility to keep ourselves alive though. Our higher self doesn't have this. So we have needs. Managing these consciously and as calm as composed a manner as possible, I think is pretty important. When we're in danger, bursts of short-term fight or flight are immensely helpful, can actually aid our growth too. But drip feeding the same thing on a less intense but constant level throughout our daily lives, seeing the world as always against us, there's plenty of evidence for this. That's destroying our physical bodies, our health and well-being, our performance, our relationships, our potential and our life experience. So if we're going to stress, shorten our lives and remove the beauty from them this way, it's probably worth, I guess, having a good reason to be doing so. Do we even know what that reason is? When we bring our awareness to our unconscious reactivity, we can start to see whether or not it's worth it. We can make a choice about the kind of life we want to live. 
So how do I align with my true being when stuff's just not happening as I want it to? Thoughts and ideas, questions like, is it working? Why isn't it working? When will it work out? Will it ever work out? These are all just disconnections from that higher self that already has it worked out and is asking us simply to come join it. These questions are revelations, I guess, unto themselves. Sometimes like in my world when kicking a ball, when it feels absolutely ridiculously awesome, but doesn't quite end up going where it was intended, you just need to go again. The next one travels like a laser to its target. So often, in more cases than not, there is nothing to work out or correct. All it requires is that we just commit with even more excitement. Just a case of realizing that the outside world might just be being a bit slow to catch up with us and how we are in our inner world. Are we willing though to put our faith in the feeling connection? Or are we going to continue to keep reacting to what we see and think about? In my eyes, feeling worthy, loving like anything is possible doesn't require us to be skipping around and laughing hysterically the whole time or dancing with our eyes closed. It just means rediscovering that grounding, that peace and that respect for life, that reverence for life and all its challenges. Sometimes expressing our sadness and fully engaging in our emotions, releasing our frustration can be the most direct route back home. My triggers... They always signpost where I hold my doubt, where I can relax and surrender and rediscover that trust in me, in the path and in life. Jess Ennis and I discuss warm-ups in sport, which kind of translate to spiritual practices in life, I guess. They are this process of connecting to our higher selves. It's never actually about getting everything to go perfectly in order to prepare us for a performance. It's more to do with shaking loose everything that stands in the way of our dreams and finding that feeling place. I notice in our society, I notice it a huge amount in myself, that we find it so much easier and more comfortable to visualise what we don't want in such vivid detail than we do to dream the same way of what we do. Have we constructed ourselves in such a way that we see taking on positive perspectives as a means of distracting ourselves from more justifiable, conventionally agreed, and therefore for some reason more real, negative versions. At best, we use this kind of positive reframing as a tactic for getting something or for getting out of something. The most evolved, though, I think, use visualisation and use their imagination as a means of connecting to a preferred reality that actually already exists. We have said this before, that it all boils down to how we take that next step. If we put enough devoted, fully-fledged ones together, we may also end up running our phenomenal 800 metres and being crowned Olympic champion in front of millions of home country supporters, finding ourselves in our own personal dream worlds. Jess can tell you all about how that feels. Thanks very much to Jessica Ennis-Hill for opening up, for sharing her amazing stories, for being so honest. It was a fabulous opportunity for me to understand a bit more behind what goes on on that track and field and also in that amazing environment when the pressure seems to be so high. 
I hope you really, really enjoy this episode. I hope that it's of benefit. Let me know what you think. Let me know what's coming up in you. This is a massive part of guiding us forward. I can't thank you enough for your support. Take care. Looking forward to catching up soon. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Jessica Ennis-Hill. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Max Creative. The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy.